Hello and you're very welcome to Leitrim Daily and it's the Kiss My Arts slot again here. I'm Mary Blake and today's show comes to you with the help and sponsorship of the Dock Theatre Carrick and Shannon. Today I am joined by singer, songwriter and musician Brian Farrell from Leitrim Village. Welcome Brian. Thank you Mary. Thank you Lovely for to me. have you here today. Thank you. You've had a very interesting journey so far in your musical life, Brian. Yeah, yeah, so far. Well, as a young fellow, were you playing music? I guess I started playing. I started playing piano first. Um, I think I was eight years old and I played piano. Uh, so we moved into I suppose the family home on my third birthday, and I think I think the following week my dad was driving to Boyle. And he came across like this house that had been burnt down, a house fire. And in, there was an auction for all this burnt furniture and all these burnt goods. And out in the backyard, there was this baby grand piano that had been like burnt to a crisp. And he outbid the local priest uh, for this piano. He got this baby grand piano for like £300. Wow. And... Uh, it took five years to repair it and like French polish it and all that. So once it was uh, fixed, I was uh, I was eight years old and I started learning piano. Yeah. On that piano. On that piano. So still, obviously it wasn't damaged. The musicality of it was there. It was. It well, these guys. It was like these three old men in in Cavan. I'd love to know their names, but like three like old woodworkers in this little workshop spent like five years restoring it. and it turns out it's a piano from like Harrods in London and it's a beautiful piano and so really worth that couple of hundred quid so that priest yeah. there somewhere is kicking himself he lost out on the great possibly yeah. he missed out on a good deal yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it got into the right hands because you know I think so yeah I think I it, so. it started your journey yeah. and piano yeah. was your first instrument Brian. yeah piano was my, my first instrument and did you have formal lessons I did, yeah. I did to like grade seven, or yeah, like I think I had one left to do. Okay. I should probably go and do it. But, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I did like with the Royal Irish Academy, uh, with Julie here in town. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I I can't say I was the best piano student. Really, it was more so winging it by ears. Yes. Have and have you an earliest musical memory where you had the a eureka moment where you just said? I think I'm in. I, I think this is something that is not just a pastime for me. Well, I think like my first concert, my first concert uh, was Simon and Garfunkel in the RDS. What year was that? It's 2000 and I think it was 2004 maybe. Wow, yeah. Right, so it was like one of their last tours that has been over here. Yeah. And I remember just like, I remember just the atmosphere of before the gig and seeing these guys come out with instruments everywhere and cool clothes. And yeah, old guys. <laughs> old guys. It didn't matter to me. Yeah. I was like... Did you know their music before that gig? I would have, yeah. yeah. I would have had an idea How of How were you exposed to that music? Just tape cassettes in my dad's yes. car. Yeah, my dad's yeah. a big music lover and... Yeah. Uh, and the taste. harmonies, somebody like Simon Garfunkel, that's a really big part oh, of their, their work. magic. And I, I think saw Paul Simon last summer in the RDS as well, and yeah. he's still crazy after all these years. Oh, he's yeah, still he's, doing it. He's, he's still amazing. He's a brilliant artist, isn't yes. he? Like, yeah. So that would have been an early influence for you. 
that yeah type i remember of- just seeing that big black grand piano on stage and just thinking wow man that's like that's cooler than i ever thought this world was you know yeah. and all yeah. these people are i used to dream of being a footballer you know i used to dream of being the next roy Keane. yes and then i realized that you know there was a there was a, an even bigger stage than yes than uh, old trafford or crow park yes you know? indeed and that sort of blew my mind as a kid so i'd say that was w- one of the yeah the moments i really saw took note you know you just thought i want it in yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. you talk about family and your dad's love for music and you have an extended family um musical family as yeah. well don't you yeah it's yeah. from it's from sligo yeah yeah so my uncle uncle peter uh is a, is a great singer and a, a great entertainer and a great personality uh and i guess his four children my, my four cousins are all like brilliant multi-instrumentalists great uh great singers they all like definitely one of the more talented families i've come across they'd land to our house years ago when we were kids and they'd all play traditional music and stuff and we'd be rolling our eyes because we could never keep up with that you know myself or the brothers Uh yeah but yeah they're and I'm I often like wonder that. about musical families. Is the is the musicality the gene that has passed down, or is it the love of music that is um, that makes it work for some people, or is it just the technical ability? It's a good question. I, I would say the musicality is passed down. That'd be my guess, but mm. uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like it's 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 on my, it's on the Farrell side. There's not much music on my mother's side, okay. you know, unless it's hidden away. But yes. yeah, definitely on on uh, yeah. my dad's side of the family. So it's something that you grew up respecting and um, acknowledging was a big part of of life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. There was a there was a power in music always. You know, if you heard a great record, it made you feel something. Yes. You know, and I think it, it takes a long time to to get in touch with your emotions doesn't it you know but at an early age definitely man this makes me feel something you know this feels it can bring you there and and you started songwriting did you start songwriting at that young age as well not really no uh i guess like i probably wrote a couple of songs as a teenager Mm. you know and i'd mess around and i wrote one song like you know when i was 15 that i recorded you know like pretty pretty terrible uh, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I started taking songwriting really seriously until my twenties, you know. Because sometimes uh, I look at people like like Kate Bush wrote that beautiful song, "The Man with yeah. the Child in His Eyes" at thirteen, 13 and yeah. and I think she still stands over that song as a song that is still relevant and still worthy of being sung all mm. these years later. And mm. sometimes I wonder people who start the process young. Are there are those songs still relevant to them, or do they look back at it like you would, you know, uh, an old photo and say that I'm really not that person anymore? I can't stand. I can't. Okay, I'm yeah. acknowledging it, but I don't know if I can still pull that one off. Well, for me, if I look back at a song, like I, I just said, yeah, I don't think I started taking my songwriting seriously until my twenties. Like I would say, like really, like it's only been the last year or two because I look back at anything. Like, I, I just wasn't a good songwriter young. I didn't understand the importance of it. I didn't study it. I didn't treat it as a craft as a, as a young guy. Uh, 
I was I was getting paid for gigs before I'd written a song yeah. because of the pub culture here and you know I got I got attached to other things you know I was in cover bands and mm. gigging in pubs and you know you get a hundred quid and you're 17 to go play with your band you're yeah. like sure I know it all man I don't like what, but, what but, would I be worrying about a chorus but there's learning in that too isn't <laughs> there, is, there? Yeah, you know you're, yeah. you're honing your your skill your, 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 or even your your neck you know even just which is important getting yeah. up there and doing it yeah so I suppose it, it's different work you're doing now but I, that got you here oh 100% you know like yeah you have to be you have to be bled yeah you know as yeah. they say it's a tough industry and the process of writing, have you a process and a discipline to writing your music? Do you set time aside? Uh, well, at the moment, uh, I do this thing called Pages. It's from a book called The Artist's Way. I'm not sure if you've, if you've ever read it, but basically the concept of The Artist's Way is like every morning you get up and you write three pages of, like, let's say you feel an A4 pad, three pages of whatever's in your mind. You don't stop. You just keep writing. You let it out. And it's like an imp- improvisation. Brilliant. Uh, so that's part of my thing at the minute. And I've just built a little studio in town on, on Bridge Street for myself and the band. To, so I, I go there every day now, probably for at least eight hours. And uh, yeah, I focus on writing finishing songs which is so important like I've so many unfinished songs and that's sort of a new year's resolution is to like finish work you know even if I come up with a song here with you now I'll try and finish it um and that is a discipline too so when you say you you so that is like you turn up for work you turn up yeah you sit down you're not waiting for some inspiration to just hit you you just sit with your pen and your guitar and you just yeah, you, you just sit there and you and you you search, you go searching, you know. What am I trying to say? What what does this music feel like? You know? What is my truth? Yes. You know, can't just rhyme. I did that for so many years. I'd write these songs and I think it was cool because it rhymed, but it didn't mean anything really. What was I really trying to say? How does it connect to my core, who I am? You and know? do you talk about that in terms of your musicality as well, or or particularly about the lyrics? In terms of like musicality, it just has to make me feel something, you know. Like it could be just, you know, today I might feel a G minor, right? Yes. Like in a certain way, you know. It just have, has to have a little bit of feel. Uh, so for me, musicality, I'm not that technical. I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a brilliant musician as such, you know. I'm, I'm all right on my instruments. Like I can get by, but. I wouldn't hire me to play for anyone else. So it's more of an emotional connection than a technical one. I would say so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking Musically, of which, yeah. can you pick up the guitar and yeah. give us a song? Or tell us a bit about it, if you don't mind, uh, Brian. Yeah, let me see, what will I start with? Um, I'll, start, I'll start with something pretty easy. So this is called Numbers. Uh, I got, a, I got a, a voice note off my friend, one of my best friends, he lives in New York. And we, we WhatsApp voice note all the time, right? And he sent me this voice note. And this is the first song on my EP, which is out probably next month. All things going well, six weeks from now. Uh, so roughly the end of April. It's called All Right Boy. There's five songs on it. 
and this is the first song. And at the beginning of the EP, you hear a WhatsApp voice note. You hear uh, my friend, it's, it's the actual voice note he sent me. And he's like, uh, he's saying that like he keeps seeing these numbers. Like he keeps seeing 3713, he keeps seeing these numbers. He has these numbers tattooed on the back of his arms. One's his mother's number and one's his, his father's number. And it also related to these numbers that his ex-girlfriend was obsessed with, you know? And he's like, I keep seeing them everywhere, man. Like, she's crept back in my soul and all this. And I wrote this song as, like, an immediate response. You know, it was one of those songs that came out in, like, five months. And I sent this back to him. I was like, you just inspired me, man, because some of the things he was talking about, I'd felt them too, you know, just being haunted by all sorts of signals, so. Brilliant. So this is numbers. I'll go back a little bit from the mic. Three, seven, one, three, three, one, three. 
something like that. Oh, <laughs> something like that. That is fantastic. Thank you so much, Breen. It's lovely to sit in a room and hear that song. It's beautiful. Thank and the you. stimulus, as you said, came from a quite a, a, a kind of an unexpected place. Yeah, yeah. So it just kind of appeared. So I suppose you grab those opportunities when you oh, get them. Oh yeah, like when, yeah, when something, when something, I suppose crack something in you you know like you hear stories every day uh that might touch you you know and you could be reading about catastrophes in the world that might not really sink into your heart or whatever it may be you know but when uh something i suppose affects you to the point where you're really feeling inside like you know that that's an opportunity as an artist i feel you know um the voice is beautiful it's Oh, really fantastic. Thank you. What are your influences? I can't just say, oh, he sounds a bit like this, a bit like that. It's quite a unique sound that you have. Oh, have you influences growing up? You mentioned Simon Garfunkel, but hmm. there's more contemporary sounds too, or were you always um, kind of listening to the old stuff? No, no, I wouldn't say that. Like, uh, I was definitely influenced by a lot of like Irish bands that would have been prominent. Hmm. Still are, I guess. Yeah. Like, I, I guess Damien Rice, uh, I loved Oh, like, yes, fantastic every album. song on that record. Yeah. And back in the day when you had headphones and a CD player, I just would listen to that. You could get lost in that just album. Just over and over quickly. again. I probably nearly know every song on yeah, it, you know. Brilliant. Um, it was definitely a magic in that one. Uh, Bell X1, I, I love mm. uh, Paul Noonan's voice. And mm. Do you go to gigs yourself? Yeah. Yeah, not as much lately now that I'm home, but yeah. uh, when I'm in New York, I'll go to one a week anyway. Talk yeah. to me about New York. Talk to me about your time in America. Yeah. What brought you there and what happened when you got there? How long have we got, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, uh, well, it all started like I went on a J1. I'll try and go fast, but I went on a J1 in 2012. That's like a visa you get when you finish college. Uh, so I did commerce in NUI Galway, um, finished commerce uh, in 2012 and we, myself and some good friends said we'd go on a J1 and one of my friends organised it, Roger Baker Kenny, one of my one of my good mates and we decided we were going to Ocean City, Maryland, just this random beach town uh, in Maryland. So we get there. It's amazing, sunny, American girls, beach. It's just, it's a dreamy existence from the off. And we get jobs like serving tables in this like mucky restaurant called Finnegan's Irish. I'm not sure would it even still be there. Like it was just a kip, to be honest. I doubt they'll hear this, but. I really hope not because uh, <laughs> we got no money, guys. You know, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we got a job there. Like I was working in the kitchen, cutting vegetables. I was working with people who were like just out of prison and stuff. It was a real experience, you know. And then one day we told the manager that we play music, you know. So we ended, we started doing this gig every Monday night in the bar, just a regular pub gig. Just imagine playing your local pub, and we get up and we'd sing covers, this, that, and the other. Then one day I'm out at this place called Mother's, like this beach bar that does two-for-one cocktails. And I meet this guy like in the toilets, and he's like, you got a funny accent, man. What, what, what's your deal? And I'm like, oh, I'm from Ireland. Where are you from? And he's like, uh, he's like, I'm from 
California from Hollywood. And I'm like, cool, what do you do? And he's like, I'm in music. And I'm like, I'm a musician. Next thing, he's like, any good? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, cool. I'll be like, who do you work with? What do you do in music? And he's like, have you ever heard of Foster the People? And at the time, 2012, Foster the People had this massive song, Pumped Up Kicks. Do you know that song? Oh. It's like, it's a big, it was a massive hit back then. Um, So I'd, I'd read this article about Mark Foster on, in Rolling Stone, the plane on the way over, you know, this simple little article about, you know, sudden stardom. But he was like, you know, you know, Foster, and I was like, yeah, they were in Dublin November. Like, I met Mark, which was a lie, complete lie. And this guy was like, this guy was like, oh my God, man, we got to go upstairs and call Mark. So he brings me upstairs. Next thing he's rummaging through his phone for Mark Foster, he pulls up Mark Foster and he's calling Mark Foster. And I'm like, is this real? This is crazy. He calls Mark Foster. Mark Foster answers. And uh, Mark Honey's like, man, you're not going to believe this story. I just met this Irish kid. And like, Mark Foster's like, dude, I can't talk right now or something like that. And I, I somehow dodged the bullet. Uh, and he's like, send me some stuff. So I send him some stuff. And then I, I'll, I'll just have to skip stages of the story. But eventually he comes to this gig, this Monday night gig in this little restaurant. And it had been a number of weeks now and the, like the restaurant like I guess like underage were getting in or like the Irish got to know about it, but this gig just became the Monday night thing so there was like hundreds of kids showing up to this tiny little Finnegan's Irish bar at the Pacific Hotel or whatever it was and they'd go mental like not because the music was that good but just because everyone was hammered pumped yeah so uh Marconi lands in to see me perform at this thing and the place is going nuts there's people on each other's shoulders there's people taking their tops off and he's just like okay you gotta come for dinner with me tomorrow anyways I go to his house and he's like I want I want to take you to LA and all this and I'm like oh man LA I couldn't couldn't go to LA for a job here I've been planning this with the lads for a while and uh yeah, basically, after, I, like, I, the lads were like, no way you're going to LA with this lunatic, and you have to pay the rent, and you have to, like, your parents are going mad, and, and all this, so I went back and told them I couldn't do it, I couldn't come, and they were like, how would you know he's even real, and all this, and he was like, come to the beach with me, he was on the beach, and he handed me his phone for some reason, I can't remember, but he was like, showing me a photo of him, and Paul McCartney or something and I'd read in this Rolling Stone magazine that like the interviewer asked Mark Foster what did you buy like when you had a number one did you buy a house or a car and he was like the only thing I bought was this like cool uh, grand piano for my apartment in downtown LA and I was like is that true to Mark Honey because I was like that's the only thing I know that he mightn't have and he was like yeah man here's a video of me playing it and he hands me his phone and there's a video of him playing the apartment playing the piano in Mark Foster's apartment and next thing I'm flicking through his photos and like there's him and Paul McCartney and there's him and like all these mega stars there's him and Johnny Depp and I like run back and I'm like to the lads like like your man's legit like he definitely has some sort of in and they're like but no man you know and then I go back and I tell Mark only dude I can't because I can't pay the rent I, like I'm in with the lads he's like I'll pay the rent I'll play your flights I'll call your parents oh my god I end up flying to LA anyway a week later and I spent six months or maybe five five months out there, 
just a wild experience. We'd need a we'd need a whole podcast yeah. for that alone. Uh, I ended up like making a an EP in uh, Canyon Canyon Hut Studios, which is in Laurel Canyon. It was in uh, Alice Cooper's old house, which is owned by Danny Hutton now, uh, who's from Three Dog Night. So I worked with Danny's sons. Um, just a crazy time. Like the one of them was with Haim, the, the the band Haim. They'd just been signed to Columbia. Like there was all these other artists coming through. Like uh, even as you're talking about now, does it seem like it, it was a dream or something, or do you still feel that that has grounded you and made you know influenced what you have become today? Well, like the music never got released. You know what I mean? It all ran into sort of. You know, there's a lot of bullshit okay. to that whole world. At the time, it was a complete dream, you know. But I suppose I was promised the moon and the stars as a young fella, and I thought, this is it, man. You know, I've got the lucky break, you know. But, like, I won't bore you with the details, but, you know, like, disagreements with management and producers. And, and you were a that. young person. You, you I know, had a clue. What age were you at that stage? 21, oh yeah. Oh, God. I mean, a brilliant experience. And do you Amazing. regret taking it? No, not at no. all. No, one of the best experiences of my life so a chance encounter really yeah um but but you grabbed that opportunity yeah you yeah. kind of have to don't had you to, had to yeah you'd you'd have a lot of woulda shoulda coulda thoughts now oh, you would you yeah you'd be i'd be going mad you know and i'm still i'm still very good friends with uh marconi the guy who took me there yes. you know we're very close like we went through some mad experiences like he brought myself and my brother to a festival there a couple of years ago, Artist Passes, like we were hanging out with the Arctic Monkeys and, and the Foo Fighters and like he he's very, he's still a great dude, you know, but like yeah. that particular Just that mission, project didn't, that didn't work, work out. out. No, but it was still the best experience of my life. Fantastic. Like, so no know? regrets really. No, not no. at all. So no. that's like, that's how I got to America. And then I, I moved back to New York then in 2013 and I lived in New York pretty much since I spent like most 2018 in LA again with a different producer yeah. but uh, how important is it to have a producer it's a good question I'm still I'm still figuring out the yeah. answer to that I think it is important uh, just to get your get out there to get your stuff out there or to work with your well, music the, the role of the producer is really is really to like direct the entire project almost like a film director yeah uh, like get the band in, like schedule it, um, dissect the song, dissect the parts, dissect what like what works, what doesn't work. Keep the energy alive in the room. Like mm. make sure the flow is good. Make sure that you're sticking to the deadline. Make sure the money being spent is is going to use. And definitely, the role of the producer is is an extremely important gig in terms of like getting your creation out through the speakers yes yeah as you said not just having all this unfinished work lying around you and yeah and, and, and you know yeah uh, talk to me about collaborations and especially with your band yeah who, who are the guys that you play with now uh so uh the band i have at the minute is um shamey simons on on drums he's shamey played with Paul, Jimmy played Paul with Paolo Nettini for, yeah. for a number of years. Drummer. Yeah, and he had his own band, The Marbles, yeah. who were just still are an incredible band. Like, you know, there's a lot of people in America who say to me, you know The Marbles? Wow. You, like, 
like they were the Irish Zeppelin, you know, and people are like, management, fuck those guys and yeah. and stuff like that. So, but I've seen like iPhone footage of a gig they did in, in uh, the Cavern in, in Liverpool, the Beatles' old haunt recently. And, you know, that's a huge respect for, for Shamey. And, and Johnny, Johnny uh, McGlynn is, is the guitar player, just a, a brilliant guitar player. He was in the Marbles too. He was in Gun. He was in El, El Presidente, you know. So these guys have... They know their They've stuff. toured. They've, they've been around the block. They've been... Yeah. They've been through the the highs and the lows, and then Udo Grunwald is is a, a genius bass, bass player, player from from Shambo and yeah. just a just a technically gifted, brilliant guy. So like, all yeah. these guys are pretty local to this area. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing that that is right it's there? Incredible. And yeah. that's what's so important about collaborations. I mean, yeah. you know, and and I know new schools like BIM and these these type of new music colleges. You know, it is all about collaboration. 100%. What is the point in just playing bass by yourself in your room. You've got to... Yeah, Prince said it. You, you can't jam with a computer, man. True, you know? true, and true words. It's true, you know, like, there's a ma- that's why I'm home. That's why I'm here in Leitrim, is because I haven't felt a magic like that amongst musicians as I do when I'm in the room with these lads. And like. Uh, and I've seen you have female vocalists sometimes, or is yeah, that just that's for just, gigs? That's my cousin, Neve. yeah. Oh, so Neve, Neve is an amazing singer, toured with David Beautiful. Gray for, for yeah. many years. And her harmonies are just sweet. Oh, she's an incredible mm. singer, you know, mm. and her, her sister Deirdre is also an amazing songwriter, an amazing singer. So um, you are tapping in on all of these talented people around you yeah i'm saying here's my songs uh like you know uh coming let's let's make a let's make a beautiful band and see what happens reach as high as we can yeah brilliant yeah what about gigs so right now my gig in pubs you know for and is that with the band or is that with yourself just just myself really like the bread and butter is probably just gigging in, in pubs yeah. at the weekend. For and are you doing your own material in pubs? Generally not. Generally, I just bang out covers. You know, it's a pretty, like, for the most part, I hate it. You okay. know, I, like, not hate it. Hate it might be strong, but oftentimes when I'm going to play a gig in a pub, it's just, it's just, to, it's just for the money. Yeah. Do you know, I don't really experience anything spiritually. Or but you can, you can. I've seen you do that, and mm. you can do that, and you can, you can do it in a way that y- you are understanding what the audience want, and you the have, audience yeah. might not particularly be in the mood to sit and listen yeah. to. You know, they just want it going on in the background. They're chatting. It's, yeah. It is. It's. It can be a tough gig. I know. It's a tough gig. You know. Mm. Um. I suppose. I like. I'm not sure if I'm that good at it because I just don't really care, you know. Mm. Um, and I think so. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you might get me on a night where I'm just like, yeah, I couldn't give a shit, you know. know. I'm gonna play what I'm gonna play. Know, drink, go your, drink your drink your pint you and leave me alone, you know. Uh, uh. But look, that's just the way it is right now, and I don't plan on it being like that forever. You have to like. I think we're fortunate in Ireland that you can play in a pub three nights a week and, and you have enough money to take away, you know? It could be worse, like, you know, you can't Absolutely. get away with that in everywhere. Like, I have friends in, in Europe and they struggle, like... 
because there is an expectation that when you go to a pub at the weekend here that there will be live music. Yeah. Something that yeah, like it's tourists, part of the culture, you know. Tourists don't come to this country for the weather or for the red cow roundabout. No. You know, they come, come for, for the, the culture and, yeah. and the culture and, yeah. and we've got lots of it. Yeah. I'm going to ask you three very hard questions. Do. Piano or guitar? Oh, Mary. Piano. Oh, your guitar is crying gently. I, know, I just looked at it and it's, said sorry in my head. It's, gen- it's gently weeping. <laughs> That's my answer today. You know, I was on the piano all the last night. And Solo or band? As in while I'm performing, like mm. band. All the way. Yeah, yeah. Music or football? Oh. God. Your husband told me recently that uh, he, he had a, a 20 pound bet on with your brother that's right <laughs> that I would become a Leitrim footballer that's right and then he's like he's disgusted and you became a you. musician <laughs> he's a musician how could you yeah. yeah for those of you who don't know Mary's husband is a, a fabulous musician so there's, oh. there's irony in it all yes um, but football was a it, was, it would have been an option for you yeah yeah I played county and all that oh. as a young lad but uh, like Football is still in in my heart and in my bones. You know, yeah. I'll be walking down the street and I'll still feel that size five, and I'll just be longing for a bit of a solo. Like it's a mass part of my youth. You know, like I met a guy in LA um, for a meeting, and he was just like, "Where'd you get your confidence?" And I was like, "Football, Gaelic, Gaelic football is what gave me confidence." And what got me to probably gave me too much confidence as a young fella, you know. Uh, but yeah, but it made you it, it was formative for you. It it made you know. Yeah, I think build sport who and, you are. and yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but the answer now is music. You know, yeah. music is the number one. I still love to achieve something in football, but if it gets in the way of my my crystal clear vision now, it's you, you. You gotta be loyal to. How do we follow your your work? Uh, so basically all my social media handles are, are B Farrell Music so that's Instagram uh, Facebook YouTube forward slash B Farrell Music and that EP is coming out when? it's coming out the end of April and it'll be available Spotify iTunes uh, it's going to be in the reading room bookstore in Carrick and it's anyone. called called all right boy all right boy all right boy yeah. all right boy brian can you give us another song to finish yeah. with i know we've run way over time but i don't think anybody will mind because it's been so i feel like we're only getting going i know i know so we're going to f- play you out now with uh brian farrell playing another song maybe you'll introduce it yourself and thanks a million for coming great Thank chatting you, with you yeah so this is called waiting it's also on the ep Should have been waiting the first time you came my way. Could be escaping the dark claw that held my hand through the summer descent. I'll be Baby flow, it's you I know 
And I'll be there when the breeze comes chilling Late night, it's all beginning While I, I want to ride all the way It's complicated But to my heart it all makes sense Could be explaining my mind's eye But words are like frost in spring Here I am, slow moon on my back Late night on the new dawn river track Baby flow, it's you I know I'll be there when the breeze comes chilling Late night, it's all beginning Well, I, I want to ride all the way much Breen Farrell watch out for him guys it's lovely to have you here today and thank you to the Doc Theatre Carrick and Shannon for sponsoring today's lovely show thank you Cheers.